0: Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black-Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode of the Positive Impact Podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh, delicious, healthy, and fresh meals delivered straight to your door. Enjoy cooking again with scrumptious and easy-to-prepare meals three nights a week. Visit positiveimpactpodcast dot com slash fresh for forty dollars off your first box. If you're all about moving ideas forward, then today's episode is for you. Joining us, we have Patrick Dowd, who is literally putting ideas into motion with his unprecedented nonprofit, Millennial Train. This has to be one of the most bizarre, yet totally awesome models. In the words of Huffington Post, they develop leaders on a moving train. Patrick is no stranger to travel as he was the youngest editor-at-large for National Geographic Traveler magazine and a Fulbright Scholar in India. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, we're going to dig into Millennial Train, but first, I have to ask, What was the coolest piece about working with National Geographic?
1: Getting to sit in on the discussions about what's going to go on the cover of the next issue and learning from some of the best photographers and editors in the world about what makes really great photograph and uh, piece of media. That was neat to be uh, included in those discussions. (laughs)
0: Eventually, running your own nonprofit, those must have been completely priceless lessons of not only storytelling but how to capture attention and really give the audience an insight to what you were doing
1: mm-hmm. well, we've got a lot of great material to work with because really the country is our canvas with millennial trains project, and our journeys take us to all regions of the country through across the geographical breadth of the United States and the landscapes, the vistas. The architectures and communities and people that we encounter along the way really do the work for us in terms of the storytelling because there's just so much there um, across the communities and landscapes of the United States.
0: The country as your canvas. Oh, that is just such a great not only for storytelling, but also for this model of how you basically take aspiring leaders, take their ideas, incubate them, and then come out on the other side with actual change makers. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of Millennial Train, and I just love that tidbit, I would like to talk on your adventure as a Fulbright Scholar in India. Now, you produced a documentary on e-waste. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So electronic waste, it's the fastest-growing stream of waste in the world, and that's your old cell phone, your computer, your television. When you throw it away, what happens to it? Well, a lot of it ends up getting recycled in developing countries like India and often in ways that are very harmful to the environment and human health. So as a Fulbright Scholar in India, I worked with the Explorers Club and Arte, a, a European television station, to make a documentary that explored these emerging landscapes of electronic waste around India.
0: Now, how does my cell phone from sunny San Diego make it all the way over to India?
1: It's actually pretty inexpensive to get it there by maritime freight shipping in very high quantities. So there's an entire economy that revolves around the recycling of old electronics and the extraction of small quantities of metal that exists inside them.
0: Wow, that's a little disturbing.
1: Well, it's kind of the flip side to all of this excitement about innovation. And a lot of times innovation can seem um, like this frictionless process that is untethered from the environment. But in fact. Uh, the innovations that we pursue have a lot of environmental implications, and um, that's what that project was about, was getting uh, behind the hype a little bit and seeing at what point does our obsession with technological innovation end up impacting the environment. And I think that it's really important to be mindful about the way that ideas of progress and innovation, not just relating to electronics, shape and impact our our communities, both in the United States and other regions of the world.
0: This idea of progress and innovation really shaping individuals and kind of how you formulate those ideas is a great tangent, because out of this Fulbright Scholar project, you actually came up with the idea for Millennial Train. How did you pull together e-waste and then come out with this idea of Millennial Train?
1: Mm, It was kind of funny, because the idea with e-waste was looking at the the afterlife of something new. And with the train, that's kind of like the next life of an old kind of technology, which is the railroads. And so, Millennial Trains Project is about reimagining the railroads as a platform for leadership development and communication. The way that I came up with the idea was that I had an opportunity to lead a similar initiative that has existed for some time in India. And I was really inspired by what they were doing there in India. When I came back to the United States, I was working in investment banking as Occupy Wall Street was rising, and I remembered that train journey from India and thought that that model could provide a more positive way to channel people's dissatisfaction with where the country was. So I left finance and started building the Millennial Trains Project.
0: One of the really fascinating things about what you guys are doing right now is you're really focusing on the journey itself and with this idea that journeys build Leaders, why is that piece so important?
1: Well, that's one of the most fundamental motifs throughout human history. It is the human story that we're going on a journey together as communities, as a civilization, and as individuals, finding our way in the world. It's it's both sort of a rite of passage for participants to take part in themselves, but it's also a really powerful um, symbol for the progression that. Our generation, millennials, are going on um, towards uh, more of a sense of who we are as a community of individuals, as a generation, and who we are on our own. So the journey is perfect for that and to spark conversations about that.
0: This idea of sparking conversations is just so exciting because you put all these different movers and shakers onto a train for 10 days and they're traveling across the country, what are some of the things that you hear from them?
1: I think the best thing that I've heard from a participant, which in a lot of ways sums up how I feel many uh, people feel, is that she said, on the journey, I felt like I was really myself, and I loved who I was. And the train is a place for people to come and identify themselves, not by what they do for a living, but by the kind of change that they want to make in the world and by what their personal or professional or creative frontier is. So that's the starting point of the journey is people bringing their full selves and aspirations to the trip.
0: Not identifying by where they're from, but really moving forward by the type of change that they want to make. That's a powerful statement right there, (laughs) which really makes me wonder, how do you choose the individuals who go on this train ride?
1: Well, for the most part, participants choose themselves by pitching a project that they want to advance across the communities where our train stops and then racing to crowdfund their way on board. Most participants have around 100 uh, supporters backing them going on this journey and the particular purpose that they've set out to travel across the country with. It's really for for them um, about building a community of support behind their ideas. That's what gets people on board.
0: I think now is a great time to really kind of lay out the model. So you have a train ride that goes to seven different cities in 10 days. You have individuals who are crowdfunding and really activating their communities to move forward their ideas. What other the pieces of the puzzle that makes this train so transformational?
1: Well, I think part of it is the architecture. Our caravan of vintage rail cars are almost like a time machine from the 1950s. And there's something amazing about the way that that vessel allows us to disconnect with the frenetic pace of modern day life and create a community in a place that is moving, um, where anything is possible intellectually. That whole process is really supported by the mentors that we have on the train who are leaders in the realm of design thinking, leadership development, storytelling, strategic planning. So in this really inspiring environment, there are then so many resources to support the participants turning that inspiration into action. The second thing is the way that we engage with geographies of innovation and opportunity across the communities where the train stops. So in every city, when we get off the train, We typically meet with the mayor and or some local entrepreneurs, community leaders, to get a sense of what are people working on in this city at a high level. Then all the participants go off in their own direction for five or six hours and work on the projects that they crowdfunded to get on the train. So one participant will be working on an art project. An entrepreneur will be pitching their business. A PhD student will be conducting field research and a community leader will be convening conversations around important topics like the future of local governance or racial healing or various civic policies. So those are are really the the contours of the trip. A really important thing, though, is this idea that we're on both an inner journey and outer journey. So a lot of what I just described, that's really the outer journey of engagement and learning. The inner journey is about discernment and reflection, and how are we taking time every day to connect with our deepest sense of purpose so that we have that strength that we need to go out and powerfully engage with the world.
0: Wow. The individuals who go on this trip, both this inner journey, this outer journey, and this physical journey across the country, leaving it, they must be completely changed. They must be ready and ambitious to go forward. What are some of the results that come out of this trip?
1: Well, it really varies. It's as diverse as the participants and their aspirations themselves. But we've seen people go on to write congressional legislation that's passed in the House of Representatives based off of field research they did on the trips. We've seen participants start new businesses. We've seen participants go back to their companies and take on greater leadership roles. And we've seen artists create really impressive original works of art ranging from poetry to Public installations to magazines on down the line, um, so you know we we've seen a lot in a short amount of time. We hope that it's something that 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 this journey and the relationships and perspectives that they build along the way will stay with them and and hopefully um, help guide them in a positive way throughout their careers and personal and, and creative lives
0: shaping the track. While you're actually on the train tracks, there's so much symbolism in this project. I just can't get over it.
1: And there's really so many opportunities for train puns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we, we got to go into that one. Give me some train puns.
1: Which is never lost on us. Well, I mean, a lot of American uh, culture uh, grew up around the trains. So you've you've seen railroads and, and various railroad paraphernalia invoked in every major Uh, element of our culture from our music to our poetry to our language and literature because railroads were the first mechanism that really physically brought the common man together and made the geographic expanse of the country accessible to the common man. So they still, even in the present day, though we have faster means of transportation, they still provide such a mechanism, and I would say even much more powerfully so than the faster Uh, means of transportation that we have at our disposal, such as automobiles or or airplanes.
0: Riding on a train is definitely such a unique experience. And while so much of America was founded on trains, I've actually never ridden a train here locally. I've only ridden trains across the world.
1: Not many people have. And that's because at about the same time that the idea of being a young person in the contemporary sense, like a rebellious teenager kind of, uh, was coming into vogue. It was in the 1940s, 1950s, when kids are getting cars for the first time, and they're able to get out from their parents' house and really have a lot of autonomy and independence.
0: We all love those moments, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that was awesome. But what fell by the wayside was, was some of the older ways of getting around and trains were one of those. So you see that in the 1940s and 50s, that's when train design really peaks and all the good designers then start going into automobiles and airplanes. Train design really suffered because of that and so did the practice of taking train journeys and enjoying train journeys. So as a result, a lot of people uh, in our generation have never been on a, a long distance train ride in the United States and they haven't experienced that. And they think that Transportation needs to be about getting from A to B as fast as possible. But we really miss out on something precious when that's all we've been exposed to because there's a great potential for travel and transportation to be a really moving, transformative experience, sometimes even an experience where the creation of community is possible. So that's something that we're really reconnecting with through the Millennial Trains Project
0: really reminding us that it is about the journey and it's not just about the destination.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Now, I'm not going to let you off the hook. You owe me a train pun.
1: Where to where to begin? There there there's so many. Um
0: Give me a couple uh, of your favorite ones.
1: I I don't know, they just kind of come up randomly in conversation. I I don't use them intentionally. I think that whether it's talking about a train leaving a station or being on the right track or <laughs> other sides of the track.
0: <laughs> and you have to smile even while you're on this transformational journey, getting you on the right track. It's all about having fun too, right?
1: Well, you know, I would I would say that I think this is one of the best ways to experience our country. And the word fun really uh, doesn't, do justice to how amazing it is to travel across the vast landscapes of our country in the company of, of other people that want to help shape its future through their passions and skills and talents and do that together. That is – it's better than fun and it's, it's really amazing.
0: Oh, absolutely phenomenal. So you've talked about this and I love this term, geographies of innovation. Mm -hmm. Where exactly does this train go?
1: Well, it's not so much about where it goes. Uh, Although all the journeys go from coast to coast, we stop in a new city every day. But it's really about how do we encounter and engage with uh, these cities when we get there. So the idea is that if you were to just take uh, an everyday Amtrak train, for instance, and you get off in San Antonio – it's not likely that you would have the opportunity to go visit with the mayor or meet uh, with a group of local change makers that are helping to redesign and reinvigorate their city for the next generation. So we do a lot of planning ahead of time to facilitate that kind of engagement, survey who are the actors in the community that are really working to build the future, and then make sure that our participants get to meet with as many of them as possible when they're in town. So that's what I'm talking about when I say geographies of innovation.
0: These communities that you're so intentional about facilitating these absolutely unbelievable experiences in, what are some of the ones that you created on this last train ride?
1: Hmm. Well, our last journey went across the American South. We started in Los Angeles, stopped in San Antonio, Austin, New Orleans, Baltimore, and ended in Washington, D.C. So in every city, it's a different story. But uh, typically, we will meet with the mayor's office, with local entrepreneurs, creatives in the community to get a sense of what they have uh, going on there.
0: Now, earlier you talked about how your participants crowdfund based on certain cities. Do they get to bring certain cities to you and say, this is why we feel it's important? Or are you more kind of setting the roadmap and then inviting individuals who are already innovating in that city?
1: Uh, We're setting the roadmap and providing that as a framework for participants to be creative within. And the way that we pick the cities where we're stopping, it's really shaped by the infrastructure of passenger railroad in the United States, and also trying to make an effort to really have these journeys be transcontinental.
0: Now, to date, how many of these journeys have you guys done?
1: We've done three journeys. We've been across the central, northern, southern United States and engaged with 20 communities over the last three years. This year, in 2016, we're doing two journeys for the first time, and oh! they'll both be taking place in, in uh, August.
0: That's exciting. You guys are doubling the number of trips per year. Yeah. Now, how many people get to ride on the train with you guys?
1: We have 25 participants and 50 people on each train. So beyond the participants, we have mentors, on-train staff, and logistical personnel. So the participants are really supported by a world-class staff of Mentors that help them hone their ideas and expose them to new frontiers. An amazing uh, team of chefs that sources ingredients from all the communities where we stop along the way to provide meals that really create an occasion for building fellowship among our community. And then a very capable staff that helps to ensure the the safe movement of the trains across the country and, and the smooth flow of all of our programming.
0: Well, you are deliberate about building innovation into every aspect, even down to hiring chefs who can source locally and create meals city by city based on the ingredients that they can get.
1: Well, the chefs are some of the most entrepreneurial people on the train, and they're definitely the hardest working people on the train because they get up every morning at 4.30 to start preparing breakfast, and they're uh, working when we get into the cities to go out and meet with local farmers and uh, markets to provision for the train, and then they're in this very really quite small kitchen on the train preparing meals for 50 people three times a day. So, I really have a lot of respect for our chefs and they've all gone on to do great things and are are truly entrepreneurs in their own right. So, um I that's been one of my favorite parts of the journey is is really working with the chefs on the meal plan.
0: Cooking for 50 people is no small feat. That's right. <gasps> oh now, out of all these journeys, and I know with over 75 innovative entrepreneurs and people really working on transformational change, if you had to choose and narrow in on one individual who came out of this and really created change, who would that person be?
1: It's hard to say because sometimes the most important change that you can make is, is really internal and just making a decision about uh, a, a new direction that you want to go in your own life. And I couldn't bring myself to say that that kind of change, which a lot of our participants have made, was any more or less important or beneficial than those that have launched businesses or written congressional legislation or created amazing works of art based on their journey. So. You know, I really think of the MTP community as, as a wonderful family.
0: And adding 50 new members to your family, you can't beat that, right?
1: Well, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's it's a really positive thing. And I I always get um, a big kick out of seeing the new people that, that step up to this. Because if they're putting an application in, it means there's a good chance that we're going to be going on a really awesome journey together across the country this summer.
0: We'll have to get back in touch after the end of the summer to see what 2016 brought. But with that, I think it's about time to transition to some rapid fire questions. Are you game? Okay. The rapid fire is one of my all-time favorite parts of the show. And I think it's just because of those adventures we get to talk about, like shark diving. How many guests have we had that have gone shark diving? Absolutely incredible. But before we dive into that, I wanted to share a quick insight from this incredible event called Journey to Social Entrepreneurship, which was all about focusing in and channeling the power of service to fuel powerful social enterprises. So that insight was all about asking permission. Sometimes we wait too long to act, almost waiting for the world to give us the okay. Kayteca Founder describes a pivotal moment in his journey where he could either move forward or ask permission. If you're at a point in your life where you're ready to activate and you're ready to move forward, then this event is for you. Unlock all 20 recordings at journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com dot com slash live. That includes some incredible founders like Three Twins Ice Cream, Cooley Cooley, Sponsor Change, My Ed Match, and more. And with that, I think we're ready for a dose of adventure. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. Can you tell us about a recent adventure or excursion? And let's be honest, you've gone on quite a few that you've gone on.
1: My favorite recent adventure uh, was this last summer. I had the opportunity to go to Kenya as part of President Obama's Global Entrepreneurship Summit delegation. Before the summit, I went a few weeks early and got to visit this island on the uh, just off the coast of Kenya, about 60 miles south of Somalia, called Lamu. And it is a kind of heart of ancient Swahili maritime culture, uh, almost entirely Muslim population on the island, and really a, a pristine culturally fascinating place that is at the crossroads of so much of the ch- change that's happening in the world right now from Chinese uh, trade inroads to religious cultures, to uh, the importance of protecting biodiversity and, and security issues. All of those things were coming to the fore and really on display in this magical, magical place uh, called Lamu. So I really felt uh, very lucky that I had the opportunity to see that part of the world.
0: Wow, now that is an incredibly memorable experience. Do you foresee any future millennial train excursions going to other countries?
1: It's really about the idea of visionary people coming together to go on a journey together to experience a landscape and take part in a sort of rite of passage that's intended to help them grow as leaders and be better servants uh, of their community's interests and needs, so I think that that could happen in a lot of contexts that don't involve trains, um, and in a lot of regions that aren't the United States. And one of the great things about MTP is is our many partners, from our lead sponsor Comcast NBC Universal to the Rockefeller Foundation to IDEO and the U.S. State Department. And one of the things that especially the State Department does so well is is share the story of Millennial Trains project through the network of embassies and their social media platforms all around the world. So, um, you know, I think that there's, there's a decent chance that whether or not it's, it's us bringing this kind of concept to, of MTP to another region in the world, someone else will hear about it and interpret it in their own way.
0: Many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. Have you found this to be beneficial in your life and in your work?
1: Very much so. Um, I think that, in my experience at least, I always feel more in touch with my humanity when I'm in nature. And it's really important to take time every, well, as frequently as possible um, to get out in nature and use that as an opportunity to contemplate and reflect and kind of regain the energy that you need to be really actively engaged with the communities that you serve. So I think that uh, it's, it's really important to get out in nature and I love to do
0: it. To remind you of your humanity, Whew, That that's pretty important. <laughs> what advice do you have for recent grads looking for a meaningful career?
1: I, I think if you want it and, and you search for it, you'll find it or it will find you. Um, I felt for a long time that uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly, but I I pursued all these different challenges, and I wasn't really sure why I was taking on these challenges because it's not that I was doing them with a particular purpose in mind. Uh, It was sort of like I was walking uh, up a hill backwards, and I saw that I could see I could sense behind me that there was some light on top of the hill, but I couldn't see what it was exactly. So I'm just sort of walking up this hill backwards. And then at some point I turned around and the light was coming from the train. And that was what I just knew that's what I need to do. And so I think it's good to just expose yourself to different challenges as much as you can and then hope that at some point – you get the opportunity to turn around and see where that, that light is coming from. And that's probably, for my, in my case, it happened in a pretty unexpected way.
0: <laughs> yeah, always be aware of what's going on around you. You never know. A train coming over the hill might lead to you having a nonprofit that takes people by train across the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> um, what book do you recommend to others who want to make a socially-minded impact?
1: Hmm. Well, I think probably just any book will do, um, because the most important thing is to just have broad broad interests and get exposed to a lot of different things so that you can have, uh, that you can be aware of what are different opportunities, challenges, and kind of context that you're operating within. Probably the best thing, or or what I've gotten the most out of, has been biographies of other people, especially people that you admire, because when you read their biographies, you see that... People who have accomplished great things have at, at many times felt very anxious or unprepared or challenged or if not even hopeless, but they found a way through that, and so will anybody else who um, is, is committed enough to, to see their ideas through. So I think reading biographies can be a source of great solace and inspiration.
0: Wouldn't it be great if just there was a life manual and one book and you read it and you knew exactly where you were supposed to go?
1: Well, uh, I, I think there are books that, that promise that.
0: <laughs> All right. Is there a mantra or a motto that has guided forward your work with Millennial Train?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's It's one that I got from one of the editors that I worked with at National Geographic Traveler. And she said, "Sometimes the worst thing that can happen is the best thing that can happen." And always, in so many ways, we encounter these things that seem like some kind of disaster or struggle in our life. And whenever something like that happens, I just think there must be something good that's going to come out of this. Um, and that's been really essential mindset for getting past the, what what seem like setbacks. And, and so I think there's always a silver lining.
0: It's a great reminder to even when we have those challenges to look for the silver lining or the lesson, you know, depending on which one you may find. What is one piece of advice that you have for our listeners to make a positive impact today?
1: Just encourage somebody else. Encourage somebody else's ideas. And I think that a lot of times when you're working on something that feels really big, You think about yourself a lot of times. You'd be overly reflective about yourself. Get out of your own head and go help somebody else. Just encourage somebody else who's struggling with something. Listen to somebody else. That is probably the best thing they can do.
0: Well, Patrick, it has been absolutely incredible today. For our listeners who are fired up, they're ready to go, and they are ready to get on that train, where do they learn more about Millennial Train Project?
1: Our website's the best place, millennialtrain.co.
0: Wow. Thank you. This has been an incredible episode. Thank you. Well, movers and shakers, if that's not moving ideas forward, then I don't know what is. I was totally blown away by this absolutely innovative idea of taking millennials, putting them on a train, and taking them on a journey of both inner discovery and outer discovery to hear ideas, to collaborate and to change the world. Absolutely phenomenal. For all of the resources mentioned today and for a few great photos of some of the past participants and the journey, head to our show notes page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash millennial train. While Patrick may not have had a book to share with us today, it really is important for future leaders and change makers to be in that process and to always learning from others. Additionally, we have lots of recommendations from our past guests at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash goodreads. Don't forget to join us on Friday as we feature one of the past participants from Millennial Train and talk to them about their transformational experience. Until then, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.